0: Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. This talk is taken from our series Exploring Advent, a time when together we learn what it is to face darkness, see light and wait expectantly. Thanks for joining us. Here we go.
1: Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the Sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their lambs.
0: Good morning, everyone. Nice to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Adrian. I'll kind of guide us through things uh, from this point on uh, as we start this series in Advent. Um, really good to have everyone in the room, as I always say downstairs, upstairs, and good to have those online. Um, I always like love like being present both in the room and with everyone online, and uh, I kind of sneakily do have my phone out and look at the chat, and um, Vince was bringing some great encouragements on the chat as well. I've just Jesus wanting to come and just encounter us with the hope that he and he alone can bring. And that's what I'm hoping we'll discover through this moment in Advent as we start off as we're going to look at this scripture over the next, uh, today and the next two weeks uh, that Becca so wonderfully read out to us uh, that's going to allow us a moment just to explore the wonder of what Advent presents to us. You see, in this scripture, we see that there's this... um, Message or messages that are given by God to be spoken out to bring comfort. So it starts off: comfort, comfort. Like these words that are being spoken are going to bring all who hear them comfort. And in actual fact, one of the messages that's given is a message that we'll find is picked up later. Uh, in the New Testament, in one of the accounts, or several of the accounts, uh, revealing the life of Jesus, where it depicts and describes someone who's preparing the way for Jesus, John the Baptist. And if you like, in the same way as John the Baptist was using this message to describe the wonder of what he was doing, prepare the way for Jesus, that's what this passage is going to do for us. It's gonna prepare us in this season of Advent to pause and reflect and remember the wonder of Jesus coming, taking on flesh, being born as a baby, then living a life, dying a death, being resurrected. It gives us a moment to prepare ourselves for the wonder of Christmas, but also to prepare ourselves for the fact that the story hasn't ended yet, that he truly is, as we've sung, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. That it ain't over until he returns. And that brings us deep, immense hope. It's why, as we got to the end of our worship, there's this kind of grappling with our reality, our circumstances, the world around us, and yet the wonder of who Jesus is and saying, We need you. And I hope we're going to see that uh, as we continue this morning. But in it, over the coming weeks, we're going to discover as we pitch ourselves in Isaiah 41 to 11, that we're going to look at how Jesus is the illuminating light, and that he truly is the coming light. But today, I want to start us off in the reality that we are waiting in darkness. Darkness. Or waiting in the darkness. Man, that's, that's like, you don't need that, do you? It's like Sunday morning, we're kind of like, oh yeah, Jesus is in control, we've just done the worship bit. And now you sit up there, Adrian, and say, oh yeah, but we're waiting in the darkness. That's heavy, isn't it? But that's the reality. The reality is we're waiting in darkness. See, the wonder is that we do live in this complex moment of the now and not yet. We live in this moment that Jesus has come and that through his life, death, and resurrection that he has declared and revealed victory over everything. And yet that victory is not yet fully realised. The world isn't yet how it's meant to be. And Jesus will return, and he will put everything right. It will be filled with his goodness, rightness, mercy, and love. That's what will characterize this planet. Therefore, we live in this paradigm of Jesus has come. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. But it's not the end of the story. Jesus will return. And therefore, we have to live in this dynamic of where we find ourselves, in that gap. Tish Harrison Warren eloquently puts it like this. To practise Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache, our deep, wordless desire for things to be made right, and the incompleteness we find in the meantime. You see, we dwell in a world still wracked with conflict, violence, Suffering, darkness, Advent holds space for our grief. And it reminds us that all of us, in one way or another, are not only wounded by the evil in the world, but are also wielders of it, contributing our own moments of unkindness or impatience or selfishness. Wow, like it's dark. That's what the message of comfort comes with. It it comes with this reality check. It's dark. In verse 60, the God speaks and says, Be messages, shout that people are like grass, their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. Wow, like, do you want to just turn to the person next to you and just declare that over them? Like, people are like grass. Their beauty will fade just like the flowers. And we're thinking, no, no, I came here to be encouraged. I promise you there will be encouragement. But maybe sometimes encouragement comes, firstly, with reality. See, what God is revealing through this is that we're like grass. In verse 7, the, the message will continue. Like, what does grass do? It withers. Like, there's a frailty in being Human. That's what God wants us to get hold of, that there's a frailty in our humanity. And the reality is that we live like grass that fades, that withers. It's meant to remind us, I don't think this is meant to be how it is. It's meant to remind us that we live in a fallen world. Like if we were to jump back to the beginning of the story where the alpha, the beginner, reveals the wonder of what was meant to be and says, actually... This was created. You were created to be bearers of my image, to reveal the wonder and the goodness and love of me, to then go and care all that I created. That's what we were created for, to live forever. And yet, into that beautiful creation, we find that evil is there. Evil comes to seek to defile what was created. And humanity choose to kind of being kind of enticed by it in order that they would then say, actually, we we don't want to live in the good of who you are, God. We want to live in the good of who we are. And as a result, like just three pages in or three chapters in, you find, wow, this thing that was created out of love to be enjoyed in love is broken. Is broken. And that in that brokenness, it Reveals that rather than a creation that reveals life and love and goodness and peace and mercy, it's characterized by death and decay. Grass. Then continues. Oh, we're like flowers, beauty that fades. That word beauty, actually is a word that we've grown familiar with over the last kind of few weeks. If you've been camped out in Oasis, you know we've just finished this series looking at the wonder of this story of Ruth. And Ruth is this beautiful story that continuously reveals this one word that's in the Hebrew language that we used several words to try and get to understand what it is, and it's this word hesed. Hesed, which means God's unfailing love and kindness. And that word, beauty, is hesed. It's saying that actually we're created to be those who reveal unfailing love and kindness. And yet what we find is we're unable to sustain it. We fade in it as humans. We find that so easily... we can discover that we're becoming vehicles that try as we might not want to, either by a mistake or unfortunately sometimes on purpose, we find both to ourselves and to others that we're not seeking to be loving and kind, but rather we're seeking to be unkind in our words and actions. You see... Where comfort comes is by not us dressing up the reality that we're living with. Because the reality is, as humanity, we're like grass. We're like fading flowers. And in it, I don't want to kind of make us feel worse, but I don't know about you, but that kind of feels like my experience of the world around me. And maybe the way I can get comfort isn't to pretend it's not dark, but actually just to say, yeah, it is. You see, I kind of look at the world around me and see that it's dark out there. See, it's dark as I look at the economic crisis that's sweeping across the world. It's dark in respect to the war and conflict that I both hear reported on the news and could discover that's not being reported. It's dark through the impact of climate change, working it out on the poorest in our, na- in our world it has been revealed through famine or corrupt systems of work and society, through the mistreatment of people because of their gender, race, sexuality or faith, or the quantity of people that need food banks in our nation. I look around and I think, this is dark. But it's not just dark out there, it's also dark around us, those we're in contact with. I look at the frailty of relationships, the way individuals can be cancelled in a moment, the suffering of those that you and I know, whether it's physically, mentally, or emotionally, the destructive impact of past experiences or words that have been spoken, the pressure that people are under at work or caring for others or seeking to cover costs. The reality is I'm not blind to that. It breaks me. Cause causes me to think it's dark. But it's not just dark out there, it's not just dark around us, it's also dark within us. So the reality is there's a pain and suffering that we know. I haven't got time to go around the room. I know there's stories in this room of pain and suffering. Of the isolation that's there, of being misunderstood. Of... Not living as I want to, and managing to hurt others rather than love. And the thing is, darkness can feel overwhelming. A number of years ago, I and my friend Gus went to an art exhibition at the Mac, and it was a very weird art exhibition. It was a room where they. Literally made it pitch black, like there was no light in it. And in the center of the exhibition was um, a vat of oil uh, that stank. And in the background was the noise of a mine shaft, and it was the longest mine shaft in the world. And so as you went into this room, you had this sensory overload. That was the design a sensory overload of the cost of what we enjoy to power our stuff, but what it brings as you have this utter darkness, stench of oil, and this noise just coming at you from everywhere of this lift shaft. Now, I went into this room and I went in with Gus, and as we stepped in, I knew one thing and one thing only was going to happen because I know my friend Gus, and that was he was going to run away from me, and wait for me to be at a point of isolation and feeling very alone in order that he could creep up on me and cause me to scream. (laughs) That was it. That was his entire goal. I knew he wasn't in there to get to grips with the wonder of what we were seeing, or not seeing, or hearing and sensing around us. And so there I was, stood in the middle of this room by myself, knowing that at some point a hand was going to grab me. <laughs> and the reality is, I knew that. I knew the hand was coming. I just didn't know when. And I had every sense available. I was putting my hands out, trying to work out where he was, kicking my legs out, thinking, I know I'm going to get you. Now, some of you are thinking, but why didn't you go for him? He's just too quick. <laughs> and so I'm stood there in darkness, for several minutes. After several minutes, I start to think, aha, his plan has failed because he's found himself lost and he's probably headbutting a wall somewhere. And so I start to quietly just chuckle to myself. And in that place of kind of just thinking, I'm okay in the darkness, I feel this hand grab my back and I scream like nothing else. And as I'm screaming there, the door swings open and a Mac employee switches on a torch (laughs) and says, are you okay? And I go from a very high-pitched voice to a very low one. Yes, oh, I am very well, thank you. Um, Here's the deal. Darkness can feel overwhelming. See, in that mac, however kind of a sense of nonsense it was, in that darkness, I genuinely felt disorientated. I genuinely felt afraid. And to be honest, there were moments where I started to feel hopeless of when is this going to end? And I think that's what it's like. Like, as we face the reality of the darkness out there, the darkness around us, the darkness inside us, it can cause us to feel overwhelmed. It can cause us to feel over afraid. It can cause us to start to despair. But here's the beauty and the wonder. We're not left in darkness. And we don't need a Mac employee to come in with a torch. Rather, we have one who comes, who is Light and comes into our dark. N.T. Wright puts it like this, Christmas is God lighting a candle. And you don't light a candle in a room that's already full of sunlight, though I'm about to. You light a candle in a room that's so murky that the candle, when lit, reveals just how bad things really are. You see, it is dark. But in Advent, we remember that in the reality of the darkness, light comes. And the light coming reveals that, yeah, it it was probably darker than we were expecting. But the light changes everything. You see, when that Mac employee switched on their torch, suddenly the whole environment changed. I knew I wasn't alone. I knew there was a way out. There's hope. And in the same way, Jesus wants to come and bring that to us afresh in the reality of our darkness. See, there is light in the darkness. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says this, the word of our God stands forever. You see, where we can find ourselves stumbling and failing to seek to be true and consistent in unfailing love and kindness, God never wavers. It's the word that always is, full of unfailing love and kindness. But more than that, this one who's revealed as the word that stands forever is the word that was there at the beginning, who then came as John in his uh, account of Jesus' life, like came and took on flesh, in order that what? In order that he could bring the light of his life, his unfailing love and kindness into our world, into our darkness, in order that we could know that darkness can never put out his light. See, what that means, it means that we can know hope, Isaiah 40, 10 says this, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. You see, where we see the darkness around us, we're not going to ignore it. We're going to see it as real and understand that that darkness never has the final say. That Because light has come, light will return. And Jesus is powerful. He's powerful enough to cause all darkness to go. Like, if we had time, we could go and read at the end of the Bible, where it starts to reveal what it looks like when light comes to fill the whole of the earth and universe. And it reveals, in summary, that this place, this world, becomes a world that's full of his unfailing love and kindness. And one of the weird descriptions John gives, he says, actually, there's, there's no need for protection because it's just light all the time. It's like there is no darkness anymore. Light is there forever. So we're meant to know that actually this light coming speaks hope. Hope that Jesus will return. Hope that Jesus has the final say. But it's also to bring comfort. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says this, he will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. See, Jesus meets us in our darkness. And he is a loving shepherd. I love the image of a shepherd who is not only holding the lamb, but is holding the lamb close to his chest, close to his heart. That we have a shepherd who understands our darkness and not only meets us in it, actually longs to cause us to know his love, his protection, his provision. That Jesus is longing to allow us to know that we are found. We are not alone. We are understood. We are loved. Do you need to hear that today? The one who has power says, Yeah, it's dark, but my light comes afresh to you today. In order that you can know you're found, you're not lost, you're known, and you're not alone. And you are loved. But he's also the one who comes to transform. In verse 40, 11, it says this, he will gently lead. See, Jesus longs to gently lead us into more of his life that he affords us. A life that is saturated with his life-giving light. That light that is all about his unfailing mercy, love and kindness. That's what he's wanting to do, to lead you gently into having a life that's more encompassed, more shaped, more drenched in his light, that is his unfailing love and kindness. Does that sound attractive? Like it does to me, like, why do I fool around with stuff that does me no good when what's on offer is a life that's just filled with Jesus' unfailing love and kindness. And you see, as I get gently led away from that stuff into this, it then starts to shape more and more of my life in order that I then begin to reveal that to other people. See, yeah, it's dark, but Jesus meets us in the darkness. Like, do you need Jesus to meet you today? I know, in this last week, I really have. It's part of the joy of being able to prepare before today. You know, yesterday I got to go to this Christmas fair, and like my family, like you're such like a bar humbug. And part of me is, like, I don't love that sort of thing. That's an honest truth. And I'm sorry to those who saw my facial expression who were just, just trying to sell their wares. And there was me kind of grumpily walking around going, hmm. Um, but part of it is also that it feels like those moments that it's like polishing up the darkness. I'm like, no, no, it's just dark. I was just sitting thinking, it's dark. And Jesus, I need you. Jesus, we need you. And it's in those moments that I believe Jesus wants to come today and say, he is with you. I believe it's in this moment that Jesus wants you to know he gets the final word. I believe it's today that Jesus wants to come and bring deep, profound comfort. I believe it's today that for some of us, we're going to say, Jesus, I hear your patient, gentle voice that wants to lead me away from the way I'm going into the life that you've got for me. It feels heavy, doesn't it, today? I feel it. I don't know if you can see I'm trying to not cry. I feel it because it, I know that it feels dark and there's nothing I can do about that but I know one who can and his name's Jesus and he longs to meet with you because you're his beloved and he wants to be yours. Can I just get us to stand? I'd love to pray for us. I'm going to ask Andy probably just to come and just play. Sorry, I know the rest of the band were going to come but I, I feel like let's just stand to see what we're going to do. Sorry, camera people. Just where you are, can I just encourage you just to close your eyes just so you don't get distracted by anything or anyone? Just in this place, like Jesus is so here by his spirit. I just want to give a moment just for you just to reflect and say, yeah, this is is the darkness that just feels so close. And it's into this that Jesus wants to meet with you. Not the pretending, not kind of saying, no, 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 it's okay. I know it's gonna be okay in the end. No, it just feels dark. And Jesus wants to meet you in that place. Jesus, I pray, come now by your spirit. Pray for those at home, would you come and meet with them? Pray for those of us in this room now, come Holy Spirit. Come bring that deep, profound comfort only you can bring. Come speak the words that say, yeah, Jesus has the final say. Jesus, for some of us where we just know that we're just messing around with darkness and we need to come back into your light. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your forgiveness and we just turn to you and say, we're in. We want more of your life.